0: Welcome to the Renaissance Christian Church Podcast. We're a church family with the mission of seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. We're grateful that you have joined us as we study through the Bible, and we hope that it brings you encouragement and inspiration for your daily life. Here's Pastor Robert Fonseca. So before we get into Mark 4, just have you ever, let me say this, have you ever wondered maybe in your, in your Christian life how as you're sitting or listening to God's word and you can be affected by it, but maybe the person next to you, maybe somebody you brought to church looks like, you know, doesn't have any effect, right? Or are they, maybe some people have sat in a church for a long time and doesn't seem to, to catch on. Have you ever wondered why that is? Like, Why does God move in some people's heart, it seems like, and then in, in some others, he doesn't? Is it just God's decision on who he's going to move in and who he's not going to move in? What part do we play in it for our own personal free will and our own choice? That's a question that has been wrestled around with from really from the early beginnings of the church. And there are different groups that will answer that in different ways. But we want to look at what Mark says about that because in Mark... He doesn't, he's not going to answer that for us, and I'm not going to answer that for us, but what he does point out is that we, as individuals, play some part in that, how God moves in our hearts, how we can affect that, and so at the end, when we have a time of application, we'll see, hey, how can we be that good soil, as we look at the parable of the sower and soils this morning, you know, he's going to describe different soils, but how can we be that good soil, you know, to be used by God for his holy work? And so let's look at that in the text this morning, and uh, we're going to read verses one through. I'm going to read verses one through twelve, and then explain a little bit. But before I do that, a little, uh, I want to make a few points before we get into it, because Jesus is now going to teach the crowd, as we'll see, that's gathered around him, and he's going to teach them about the kingdom of God through parables. This is what Jesus does; he teaches through parables. And so, parables that you may or may not know are illustrations that are bearing the character of the kingdom of God. It's like it's showing us a spiritual truth with an illustration. It's, it's simple stories to, to illuminate that. Uh, and, he, and it's made clear to believers, right? Believers tend to understand parables, but non-believers sometimes don't really understand that. And, and Jesus will explain that in a few moments on why that is. So this is how he's going to teach. He's going to use a parable. So let's read that parable now, starting in verse 1. And he began to teach again by the sea. And such a great multitude gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching... So again, like in previous chapters, the crowd comes to Jesus for multiple reasons, as we've seen, and Jesus pushes off into the to the sea, seasho- out into the sea, so that he can speak to the crowd, right? So they can hear him, and so this is what he says: Listen to this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. A parable, by the way, and I forgot to say this, requires the listener to react or respond to it. Jesus is trying to elicit a reaction. Those who believe usually want to know a little bit more, press into the Lord a little bit more about understanding. Those who don't care, they just hear it, and then that's it. And so this is what Jesus is going to do. He's going to present this parable, and then that's it. As as you'll see in a moment in verse 9, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it seems that that's all he says. It is later when his disciples are with him, they say, what does that mean? They press in; they want to know more. So go back to verse 4. So again, he says, listen to this. Behold, here's the parable. The sower went out to sow. And it came about that as he was sowing, some fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. And the other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil." And immediately it sprung up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And the other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns came up and choked it and yielded no crop. And other seeds fell into the good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So again, as I mentioned, he presents this parable to the group, the large crowd, and says, basically, if you can understand it, then you know, understand it. Don't just hear it, but listen to it, what he's saying. Look at verse 10. And as soon as he was alone, his followers along with the 12, so it's not just the 12 disciples, it's a group of people that are considered his followers, began asking him about the parables. And he was saying to them, "'To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, "'but those who are on the outside get everything in parables, "'in order that while seeing they may see and not perceive, "'and while hearing they may hear and not understand, "'lest they return and be forgiven.'" So again, these parables were given to cause a reaction, to cause people to contemplate, to think about what he had said. And those who are on the inside, so to speak, as Jesus is saying here in verses 11 and 12, they will understand it. God will give them understanding because they seek to know more about it. As opposed to those who don't, who just leave, they listen to the parable and they walk away. And God says, you know, they hear, but they don't perceive Right? Because if they did hear and perceive it, then they would be forgiven. But they don't, so they're not forgiven. They just leave and go away. Those are the people that are on the outside. The parable is not explained to them. It's similar to believers today, you know, that they want to know more about God. Right? They hear a sermon and they want to know a little bit more about it. And maybe they go home on their own and, you know, at our suggestion, sometimes they'll say, hey, look at this verse, study this a little more, and they press into it a little more. I want to know more about the Lord. I like what a comment, uh, Puritan Thomas Manton said about this, about believers wanting to know more. He says, "The more, the the more love any have for God, the more they desire to know His ways." Let me read that again. The more love any have for God, the more they desire to know His ways. Right? As we love the Lord, or we learn to love Him more, we're like we want to know. God's ways. We want to know what he's about, what he wants me to do in my life, right? If you love something, you want to know more about it. Think about it in your own life, in your own hobbies, or sports, or even somebody that you know, right? If you love that or love the person as well, you want to know more about it. You want to spend more time with them, and this is what Jesus is saying in 11 and 12. Because they want to spend more time with them, they're given the mysteries of the kingdom of God. they're going to know those. Those are the people that are on the inside as opposed to those who don't care and stay on the outside. So that was the parable that Jesus gave. And he's going to explain it now, what exactly it means, because the disciples want to know in verses 13 through 20. And what he's going to answer in this is really is this question. What prevents people from following after the Lord? That's the question that we'll answer this morning. As I started out, we have a part in that. We have some responsibility in that, according to the text. So let's listen to this explanation, and then I'll give you three uh, reasons why people don't follow after the Lord. They're not the only ones, but the three given, I believe, are given in this text. And this is what it says. And he said to them, in verse 13, Do you not understand this parable? And how will you understand all the parables? So the key to understanding this parable, according to Jesus here, is, you know, if you understand this, you're going to understand the rest of the parables that I'm going to be speaking to you. And it says this, The sower sows the word. So he's explaining the parable. And those are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. So the picture is of a farmer out on the fields and he's throwing the seed out to the ground so that it will grow and produce crops. And he's comparing the, the different soils to different hearts of men and women. And so that first one, again, he says they are the ones by the roadside. Let me read it again. And the word is sown, and when they hear it, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. And in a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed is sown on the rocky places. So this is a different soil. Who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary, Then, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones in whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones whom have heard the word, and the worries of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. And they bear the word, excuse me, and they hear the word and they accept it and they bear fruit 30, 60, and a hundredfold. So there's four types of soils described in this parable. And in these, in, in three of them, as I said, they're gonna show us and answer the question, what prevents people from following the Lord? So let's go back to the first one in verse 15. The first one is really where there's no soil, right? By the roadside, according to verse 4. And quite simply in verse 15, it's it's this. Why don't people follow the Lord? Number one is this. They don't listen to God's word. This is what I believe this, this soil is, right? They don't listen to God's word, right? The picture, again, is the seed is thrown on the ground, and immediately the birds come and take it away. So again, the picture is God's word goes out, but it doesn't take root. There's nothing there for it to grab onto, and it's immediately taken away. And according to the interpretation, Jesus says it's Satan who takes away the word of God when it goes out. Right, as soon as somebody hears the word of God, immediately Satan comes and he takes the word which is sown so it doesn't take root. Satan's described as birds, as the birds here are used, excuse me, to describe, the birds are used to describe Satan. The bird's natural inclination, right, when something's thrown on the ground, if you've ever been around a bird, if you've been at the beach, right, the first time you leave your food, who's right there to come and get it? The birds, right, they're hovering around you. They're like ready for you. As soon as that person leaves, I'm on that food. Right? As soon as it's left unattended, the birds are all over it. Again, the bird's natural inclination is to, to swoop down and grab food as fast as they can. Isn't that not like Satan as well? Isn't Satan's natural bent to swoop down and prevent people from hearing God's word? Right, you could sit in church. That Satan doesn't mind if you sit in church, but he doesn't want you to listen to the word of God, to hear the word of God, to have it penetrate your soul, to have it transform you. This just remind. I'm thinking of this right now. This is why Satan attacks preachers so frequently. If he can get a preacher to miss, uh, you know, communicate God's word then that's great. You know, the whole congregation can be deceived. And it's just my plea to help me to remind you to pray for us, pastors that are preaching, you know, that we don't get uh, sidetracked by different things. Keep us in prayer because Satan would would like nothing more than to have your pastors fall. That's his incline. Anything he can do to keep you from hearing God's word. And this happens even today, right, in our own lives. Again, as I started off, the Word of God is proclaimed. And it doesn't find soil, hearts, to be tilled in the hearts of men and women. Right? Again, I I started this off by saying, well, how can God's Word go out? And some people are transformed and some people are not. Well, because they don't listen to God's Word as it's being proclaimed. Again, even if they're sitting in church, they distract themselves. They don't listen. They tune out. They, you know, they, they think about other things. What, why does this happen? Why can God's word go out and people not be transformed? Again, because they don't listen to God's word. And because their hearts are hardened, right? And so God's word is easily wrestled away from them by the enemy. They don't want to hear God's word anyways. You know, so some people just stay away from church altogether. They never listen to sermons. They never read the Bible in general. They do other things to keep God's Word from penetrating their hearts. Some people, as well, they just don't listen because their heart's filled with pride. And thus they see no need to listen to the Word of God. They have no need to go. I don't need religion. I don't need to be changed. I'm good just as I am. I don't need to be transformed. Those people, they are easy picking, so to speak, for the devil, right? He doesn't have to do much to keep God's word from them, right? The devil and and demonic forces easily snatch away God's word from people when they hear it right away. So that's one example of why people don't follow the Lord. They don't listen to God's word. Here's another reason why people don't follow the Lord found in verses 16 and 17. He's describing what's called the rocky soil from verse 5 and 6. Let me read it again. He says, In a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed is sown on the rocky places, who, when they hear the word of God, immediately receives it with joy. So the difference in this group is they actually receive God's word, and they're excited about it. But look at what it says. And they have They have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then, when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. So, this person is described as hearing God's word, being excited about it, but nothing takes root. There's no firm foundation to hold them steady when they go through what? Affliction or persecution, it says. When hard times come, particularly persecution for the word, it says, or affliction before the word, they let go. They give up. This is the rocky soil. The reason they don't believe, and I put it quite simply this way, they don't believe God's worth is dying for. They don't believe God is worth dying for. Why do I say that again? What is the reason they fall away? Affliction or persecution because of God's word. It's not that they got sick or something and they fall away. No, it's because they're getting persecuted. Thankfully, in our country, we have yet to experience full-scale persecution, right? Where we're thrown in prison, jailed, because we're believers, because of what we believe, or even you know, given death penalties, so to speak, like in some countries. Some people... They like the good things about Christianity, but they don't like that side, right? And, and I'm not saying, hey, I hope we get persecuted. I don't like it either. But what I'm saying is, would you die for your faith, or would you give up believing all that you believe because you face some persecution? That's what it's saying here. They like the good news of salvation. They like forgiveness. They like the Lord being able to heal people, the Lord accepting everybody, but they don't like the part about persecution. And so they fall away, right? That's too hard. I'm not, it's not worth dying for, so to speak. And today, even in our own culture, many people in our culture like to hear about God's love, right, everyone likes to hear, God is love. God loves everybody. God forgives everybody. God accepts everyone just as they are. They like that stuff, right? We love singing worship songs about who God is and about His love. But the flip side of that is they don't like that part where, well, now that they have accepted this, that they're called to live holy unto God. It's not just about God accepting you. God accepts you, yeah, but then He transforms you and changes you to follow after Him. And when you do that, that's going to bring about persecution if you haven't experienced that already. Maybe even in some of your families, they know that you go to a Protestant church, you're taking on this belief, you're going to be one of those holy rollers, so to speak. And we might face persecution in that sense. But what about the time when maybe government, our entire culture, comes down on us for what we believe? Are you able to withstand that? Some will fall away if that ever happens. And, and that's something for each of us to think about. Would we, would you stand your ground, stand for your belief and live wholly unto God no matter what the culture says? But becoming a Christian is really counterculture. Even in our own culture today, there are things that we believe that our culture says we're wrong on. The whole sexual revolution that is going on, the transgender thing and all that is totally contrary to the word of God, right? We believe that God created male and female. Our world is now saying, well, that's not definitely true. Are you going to stand for that? Are you going to stand against that when you're asked to? Are you going to give in and say, well, maybe God's word didn't mean that? That's the closest I thing I could think of about this moment where our culture is pressing the church into believing. Many churches are crumbling and falling into that, that belief and believing what the culture believes. We're not called to believe what the culture believes. We're called to believe what God says. Persecution has been going on from the beginning of the church. Just read the book of Acts. Read the history of the early church. You will see that the church has always suffered Persecution. We are blessed right now that we don't suffer persecution. Some of us believe, oh, we live in the state of California, man. This, they're persecuting us. You know, maybe, maybe to some extent. Praise God, we still have our freedom to worship God and live as we want to live for now. But that's the rocky soil. Some people don't believe that God's, worth is, God's word is worth dying for, so they give up right and and maybe that's some of you might be thinking that well I believed God but you know it's getting harder now as I'm growing up or as I'm older so to speak when they're pressing me about things at work that I need to do now that God calls me not to do is it not worth it Jesus gave up his entire life for us and died on the cross for us and he said if they persecuted me they'll persecute you as well that is an unfortunate part of the Christian life. And so Jesus is telling us, hey, you know, the reason why some people don't follow me is because it's not worth it to them. They're not ready to give up their lives for me. Let's look at the third reason why people don't follow God. Verses 18 and 19, the third soil Says this, and others are the ones whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. So these people have heard God's word. Look at verse 19. And it says, The worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. This is what was in verse 7: the thorny soil, right? The the soil, the the seed hits the ground. It begins to grow, but the thorns choke it out. And Jesus is saying, the things that choke out this are the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things. So these people, again, they hear the word of God, but they let these three things in particular here choke it out. They hear the word of God, but you know what? The worries of the world, which we all have, right? They're allowing their anxieties and fears, Jesus is saying, to keep them from following God's word. They're overcome by these anxieties and fears. We all have anxiety and fears. But Jesus is saying, this group right here, this overtakes their faith or their said faith. Not only that, the second one is the deceitfulness of riches. This group of people, their eyes and hearts are seeking the financial goals of this world above and beyond the desires of God. This is why I put this group as those that don't seek God's kingdom first. This group, the reason they don't follow God is because they don't seek God's kingdom first, right? They let the worries of the world become their first and most important thing that they think about. Or they let the deceitfulness of riches become the first and foremost thing that they seek in this world. There's nothing wrong with seeking financial, you know, gains or, or, you know, to make money. That's not the problem. It's when it becomes more desirable than the kingdom of God. And then he gives us a third thing here in verse 19. And other things enter in and choke the word, or the desires for other things. And that could just be a general term for anything else that takes God's place in their life. This chokes the word of God out, and it causes this group of people to become unfruitful, right? They're putting other things before the Lord. So it's not anxieties or fears. It's not the deceitfulness of riches, Jesus says. It's other things. Other things become more important. Today, today this happens all the time with believers and even non-believers. Other things become more important than growing in Christ are putting God first. I can't tell you how many times even in this church, none of you here because you are here, where other people, you know, their, their children started to grow and they put them in, you know, travel softball, travel soccer, whatever the case may be, and that becomes the most important thing in their life. It becomes all-consuming and they forget about the Lord. You know, I, I could think of two families That have left, that are no longer in church because of that reason. And it started there. Maybe it was something else, but that's where it started. These other things became more important. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's when it becomes the most important thing and overrides your desire to follow God or to put God first that becomes a problem. It could be something simple as a sport or relationship or a hobby. Or, you know what? Hey, man, I work all week. I need vacation on the weekends. And so they, they don't put the things of God first, they put these other things first. I mean, I, want, I like vacation. I'm telling you, I'm going to miss church in a few weeks because I'm going on vacation, but it's not because I'm putting my vacations first. So don't, don't judge me. But we need those things. We need hobbies, we need sports. We need relationships and vacation, but those cannot take the place of God in our lives. Satan can use these things to cause us to not follow God, right? to choke the word and we become unfruitful because these things are the most important things of the life, in the life of a believer. And honestly, I think this is the most miserable state of a believer. And as I said, from my experience, this state, is a reason many of believers fall away from the Lord, right? They have one foot in the church and they have one foot in the world and they're divided. And because the world takes more precedence for them, it chokes out God's word and they're unfruitful. They don't grow in their relationship with God. They're not serving God. They're serving these other things instead. Again, the worries... Riches and the desire for other things distract them, right? So they're on this start and stop in their Christian life. They're following God. Something comes up and then they stop. And it's like they take one step forward and two steps back. And they've been believers for such a long time, but they're unfruitful. They're just kind of just surviving as Christians. And they struggle over and over again. They never grow in their sanctification. This, and this is not what God has called us how. This is not how God has called us to live. This is not the victorious Christian life. Right? We're told by Jesus that he came to give us life and life abundantly. Jesus wants us to live for him and be a part of his unfolding of plan of redemption in this world. Put him first. Right? We can still have all those other things and do all those other things, but they can't take precedent over living for God when we became God's children we said we're we're not only asking you to be our savior but we want you to be our what Lord our master you're saying I want you to rule over me I want you to transform me and I'm going to follow you because what you have done for me and this group of people they struggle in that area and then he gives us a last group here and this is really the the good soil the good group, where God wants us to be. Look at verse 20. And these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on good soil. And they hear the word, they accept it, and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. You see, this seed, it grew and it increased. It heard, it accepted it, and it increased 30, 60, 100-fold. It's very fruitful. This is the person who hears the word of God, allows it to be their guiding light, their sole rule of faith, their manual for life, their instruction manual for life. What God says I want to do and I try to do. This is what Jesus wanted his hearers to desire and to be. And today this is what the Lord desires for all of us. This is the, the living the abundant life that Christ has called us to, living for Him, being fruitful for the kingdom of God. Right, We are growing as believers. We are being godly influences to those around us. And, and we may even see some people near us come to know the Lord because God is using us. We have that good soul that God can use. So the question for us this morning is how do we become that good soil, right? What what part do we play in that? Are we just good because God made us good soil? I don't think so. I think we have some part according to this text. So how do we live? This will be our point of application this morning. How do we live fruitful lives for God? I'll give you three, three points. Number one, Listen to the word of God. As we've seen already, there's a group that don't listen, right? That, that first group, they don't listen to the word of God. That is foundational for all of us as believers. We need to listen to the word of God. Don't just hear it, but listen to it, right? Desire to understand what God is saying. Again, in this parable, remember in verse 11, he said, to you has been given the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Right? Because we're on the inside. We desire to know them. I like what the psalmist said, and you could turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 119 because all our cross references are going to come from this chapter of the Bible. Psalm 119, one of my favorites, chapters of all scripture. Psalm 119, particularly drop down to verse 33. Because in verses 33 through 40, the the psalmist here describes the desire to listen to God's word. Not just hear it, but really to know it. Look at what he says. He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe thy law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of thy commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to thy testimonies, and not to dishonest gain. Turn my eyes away from looking at vanity, and revive me in thy ways. Establish thy word to thy servant as that which produces reverence for thee. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for thine ordinances are good. Behold, I long for thy precepts revive me through thy righteousness do you get a sense that this psalmist wants to hear God's word he doesn't just want to hear it he listens to it and he wants to be transformed by it and this is how we live fruitful lives we are let we desire God's word we desire to know it to understand it to live it and be transformed by it so the question for you this morning is are you listening to God's word and what I mean by that is not just on Sunday, right? If this is the extent of your, so to speak, spiritual food, you're really missing out. Are you listening to God's word? Do you have a devotional time where you're letting God's word speak to you? We as believers should be reading God's word on a daily basis so God can speak to us. Right? Do you do that? Do you. Do you carve time out for a devotional time. Do you, do you listen to the word of God being preached in other places as well? That's enough. We are blessed in our country, right? And we are blessed to live in the time that we live that we could turn probably on the radio and hear a, a pastor preaching any time of the day. Or you can go to a podcast, right? It doesn't have to be Renaissance Christian Church podcast, although I would encourage you to, do, to listen to that. But there's other ones out there. I mean, you could listen to God's word all the time. Do you just, des- my, my guess would be this psalmist, if he lived, when we live, he would always be listening to God. He would have his AirPods on and be listening to God's Word all the time. I'm not saying you have to do that, but I'm saying, do you desire to hear God's Word? Do you want to listen to the Word of God as opposed to those who don't want to hear it? Like I had it on Sunday, that was my feel. There's a big difference. Why would you only want to hear from God for, a, you know, one hour a week? Right? If you want to live, fruitful lives for God. You want to hear Him all the time. So those are just some ways that we can do that. Having devotional times, listening to other pastors preaching, listening to podcasts, even just reading, right? I love reading um, uh, old sermons you know, from Puritans. They have entire books I have on this 119. 119 sermons on Psalm 119. That's like 119 days worth of sermons that I can read and listen to, or read and hear from God as he spoke to people a long time ago. So how do we live fruitful lives for God? Number one, listen to the word of God. Number two, trust God's word in the midst of persecution. Persecution, as I mentioned, is going to be a part of our lives in some form or some fashion. And so why do I say, hey, trust God's word in the midst of persecution? Because this is where our faith grows. This is where our faith is strengthened as we see God fight for us. As we trust God, even though we don't know what's going on and we might not even like it, we see God working through the persecution. Here again in Psalm 119, go to the very end, look at verse 153. And there's a number of verses where the psalmist says this. The psalmist recalls in the midst of persecution how he trusts in the Lord. Look at Psalm 119, 153. He says, look upon my affliction and rescue me. So he's in the midst of affliction. But what does he say? For I do not forget thy law. This is in stark contrast to those who when they suffer persecution, it says what they, they give up. I don't want any part of it. The psalmist here saying, "Look upon my affliction, rescue me for I do not forget thy law." And look at verse 161. He says, "Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of thy words." So in the midst of persecution, right? Where princes, it says princes, powerful people persecute him. And they persecute him for what reason? Without a cause unnecessarily, not deserve it, not deserve. What does he say? My heart stands in awe of thy words. He's trusting God in the midst of it. And as I mentioned, if you go through Psalm 119, you'll see there's a number of verses like this where the psalmist is being persecuted. He's going through hard times. He's admitting that, but he says, in the midst of it, I trust God's word. I stand on God's word. I hope in God's word. And therefore, when he comes through it, he gets to see how God got him through it and strengthens his faith. And so he's able to live faithfully for God. And this is the same for us today. How do we live faithful lives for God? Trust God's word in the midst of your persecution and your affliction. And thirdly and lastly, how do we live fruitful lives for God? Seek first to live for the glory of God. Remember that, that thorny soil. The fruitfulness, or they weren't fruitful because they allowed things to choke it out. Instead, they desired, you know, they let the worries of their life choke God's word out. They let the deceitfulness of riches choke God's word out. They let the desire for other things choke God's word out because they didn't put God first. If you want to live a fruitful life for God, seek first to live for the glory of God. Again, go back to Psalm 119, and let's look at this one last verse in in verse 97. Here the psalmist describes his love for the Lord's word and how he makes it a priority in directing his life. Look at uh, verse 97. He says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thy commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand them more than the age, because I have observed. I have observed thy precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep thy word. Again, stressing it's more important to. Seek God's glory then to be led astray. He says, I have not turned aside from thy ordinances, for thou thyself hast taught me. How sweet are thy words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. For thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. And I like verse 105. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Again, this is a description of a psalmist who loves God's word and wants to do it. He wants to put God's kingdom first. He wants to live for the glory of God. There is nothing more important to him, and as a result, he is blessed. And that doesn't mean, again, that he doesn't go through persecution, because we already saw that he does go through persecution, even though he's blessed by God. Unfortunately, persecution is going to be a part of the Christian life, but we trust in God and God alone to get us through it. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They said, you know what? We're going to be thrown into the midst of the fiery furnace, and we're going to trust God even if we die. Praise God, God rescued them, but there are many examples of Christians dying for their faith. Does that mean they did, you know, God didn't, They weren't living fruitful lives for God. No, they were. For some reason, God in his sovereignty decided that, you know what, he was going to use their death to bring himself glory and honor. And they died uh, staying faithful to the Lord. Right? The greatest example, Jesus himself died. He even asked God, let this cup pass from me. Who was living more faithful to God the Father than Jesus Christ? None of us. Nobody in world history, and yet God saw fit that he would suffer the, the death on a Roman cross, but he sought to live for God first. I say that all because I don't want you to get the mis- the, you know, that misperception. I know if I live for God, everything's going to go great and good and perfect. That's not the case, right? Right? God promises, you know, He doesn't promise that everything is going to go perfect. He only promises that it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it when we stand before God, stand before our creator, and He says, enter in the kingdom of heaven, my good and faithful servant, and enjoy, you know, the, the, enjoy the presence of the Lord, enjoy the glory of the Lord. That is our future. That is our promise. So how do we live faithful lives for God? Just let me sum it up again. Number one, listen to the word of God. Number two, two, trust God's word in the midst of persecution. And number three, seek first to live for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much again for your word. I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us that heard your word this morning would actually listen to it. Lord, that we would be challenged by this parable to take action in our own lives. Lord, I'm sure each of us can say, you know what? Maybe all those soils remind us of ourselves at some stage in life. But Lord God, we want to be that good soil. We want you to produce much fruit in our life, 30, 60, and 100 fold, that you might use us for your glory to bring many people into the kingdom. And may it start with those around us whom we love, who are lost, and who need you. Lord God, may we trust you for that. I pray, Lord God, that you would help each and every one of us to listen to your word, that you would help us to trust your word in the midst of persecution, and Lord, you would help us to seek your glory first above all things. And when we fail, may we we be reminded that you are a loving, merciful, gracious, and forgiving God who we could turn to and cry out to and ask, to forgive us and to help us to get back on track. May we be a people that are always doing that. May we never think we arrived or that we're perfect or that we no longer need your help because we do. And I pray that you'd help each and every believer in this room to remember those things. And for those this morning, Lord God, who are maybe one of the other soils, I pray this morning that your word would penetrate their hearts, that you would till the the hardness of their heart and soften it that they might come to know you that they might repent and believe on you for their salvation i pray that you would work in their hearts to do that this morning and we pray all this and thank you for this time in jesus name amen thanks for joining us in today's study if you'd like to know more about us or where you can attend one of our services you can find information online at www.ren.church. That's r e n church. Thanks for listening.